the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. podcast yes and i am nick degilio your host we are here at the radio misfits podcast network the best podcast network on the planet episode number 223 is happening right now thank you for checking us out coming up on the podcast dan feinberg every other week i am joined by dan feinberg because there is so much tv in the world broadcasting streaming everywhere you can't get away from it there are tons of new shows with big stars and big producers and everything there is such an overabundance of television and programming out there that we have Dan on every other week to talk about. And we still can't cover everything. That's why you should check out him at The Fine Print and at The Hollywood Reporter. And Dan will join me to talk television, uh, True Detective, uh, the Night Country uh, series just wrapped up. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about everything that he's written about and some of the shows that he's uh, reviewed for The Fine Print and some other uh, television news and much more. Always have a blast and always have a great time. By the way, if you have ever any questions, uh, TV-related questions or comments for Dan or any of my regular guests who are on this podcast, uh, these are uh, guests that I love having on because they're great, they're smart, they're reliable, they're awesome. They cover the world of pop culture and entertainment better than anybody in the world. And if you have questions for any of my regular guests or any questions at all, or you just want to be a part of this podcast, we have a voicemail system that's set up exclusively for you 24-7, anytime, day, or night, weekends, weekdays, whenever, 24-7, you feel like calling, leave a message. The voicemail system is all set up for you. We want to hear from you. I listen to every voicemail, and I play many of them back on the podcast. So call us anytime you want. Questions, comments, contributions, 773-417-6948. Call that number now. Or with all your thoughts and questions, drop it via email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. By the way, if you would like to be a sponsor on this podcast or advertise with us, lots of people listen to this podcast. It's very popular. So it'll help everybody out. That's what you should do. You want to advertise with us? Do it now. Be a sponsor. Drop us a note saying, I would like to advertise on the Nick D Podcast. How do I make that happen? And we'll set it up for you. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the themes and the crazy stuff and the weird sounds. He's a genius. He's crazy. I love him. All the music and all the exclusive themes, all the stuff that you hear about for my regular guests and for segments, all composed and thought of, performed, produced by the great Jason Skaggs. He's in Houston, and he rules. Uh, please take the time to share, rate, and review us on every platform, and please check out all the other podcasts at radiomisfits.com, the best podcast network in the world. There are so many varying and entertainment and entertaining and informative and fun podcasts that you need to check out at radiomisfits.com, and we have a 24-hour free streaming service. It's like radio, only a lot cooler, where you can hear unheard uh, music from an unheard music show, which is unsigned bands. By the way, if you're in a band and you're unsigned, you want to be heard in the world at radiomisfits.live, let us know. Uh, contact us. But anyway, you'll hear some great music and some great episodes from all the podcasts here, including the two podcasts that I host on this network. And they are this one, the Nick D podcast, which you can hear 
on our live streaming service daily at 3 p.m. Central. And you can hear my other podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live. By the way, if you're a Saturday Night Live fan and you do not subscribe to my podcast, there's something wrong with you. It's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. It's all about Saturday Night Live. Sometimes I have guests, sometimes I don't, but I dive deep into the world with my ridiculous knowledge of SNL, do you behind-the-scenes stuff, play back a lot of really funny clips and sketches, and tell you where to find them and give you information about how some of these sketches, these incredible series, um, and these incredible uh, shows were written and all that stuff. Behind-the-scenes stories, great funny clips, really cool guests, everything about Saturday Night Live. It's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. You can hear that on our streaming service every day at 9 a.m. So check it out, uh, our streaming service rules. So in addition to the great Dan Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter talking TV, the incredible, the wonderful Esmeralda Leon joins me. Esmeralda joins me on every episode. I've known her for so many years. She's awesome. We've got some magic megaphone requests, the magic megaphone, whatever you want me to say into it or play into it. It's up to you. I will do it. I'm a monkey. We got a magic megaphone. If you want to send out a special uh, 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 you know, notice to someone or a, or a line from a movie or whatever, I'll do it. Magic Megaphone. We got one of, one of those that I think is going to inspire a pretty cool conversation. We're going to talk about celebrities that everybody hates. And we are diving deep into the world of French snacks. UniversalYums.com uh, sends us a package every month where we get a whole bunch of snacks from different parts of the world. And we give taste tests. And we tell you how to get those snacks and where to eat them and all that cool stuff. So we're going to taste test some really cool snacks from France in addition to all the other cool stuff that we're going to be talking about. So that's what's coming up on the podcast today. We would love to hear from you, as I said. Hi, oh. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. Baby, Hi, I'm yes. Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Carrie Russell is lovely. She lives on my back porch and makes T-shirts. If you've never heard this podcast before, you're probably going, what the hell is wrong with this guy? There's a lot wrong with me, and you'll find out why. Dan Feinberg is my every other week guest, and he joins me, as always, for another incredible, informative, and delightful segment about television. And that's coming up after I tell you that you should be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. Somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. Yeah. That's right. It's time for uh, some TV talk. Dan Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter. Great TV journalist and critic. And uh, you can check him out at The Fine Print, too. That's F-I-E-N, The Fine Print. Dan, welcome. Hello. How are you doing, Nick? I'm all right. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. I would say I'm doing less okay than you because I haven't seen Dune 2 17 times already in the last <laughs> just, week and a half. But... Just once. No, no, actually, <laughs> no, no, no. I should say now that this is on Tuesday morning, I have now seen it twice. That so, puts you two up on me. So, And I'm seeing it Friday again because I, I want to see it in every format possible. So I saw it in the Dolby Theater uh, the first time. Uh, last night I saw it in IMAX. And Friday, I'm seeing it in 70. 
So uh, Phew, that is. I want to get all my ba- I want to get all my bases covered before I start to watch it regularly. <laughs> well, and what and what I'm planning on doing is waiting and watching it on my iP- on my iPhone someday. So, oh you know, no, God! Oh, oh God! Don't say that. I'll jump out of a window. Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So, anyway, sorry, um, I, did, I didn't mean to break you. No, that's okay. That's okay. I just can't imagine anybody watching uh, that movie. But I, people will do it. I mean, it'll happen. But uh, yeah, uh, and I and I love the fact that like you know they've reissued the original and people are actually going out to see it the way it's meant to be seen because obviously, as you know, uh, Warner Brothers in their haste made that fantastic decision that pissed off uh, Christopher Nolan enough to break ties with them. Um, where that's like, yeah, you can watch it at, uh, on your phone. On IMAX, or you can watch it, it on Max on your. You know, on your it was a, it was a different time. It on was. several on several different levels. It was yeah. a different time in the conception of what a streaming service was supposed to be and where the value was. There was yeah. also kind of still sort of a pandemic at that point, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So. Yeah, no, it was it was unprecedented st- times. I agree, and, and a lot of people were freaking about whether whether or not people would go to the movies again and go out to the theater again. Um, and all of that, that's, you know, that's fine. But that's, this is, these movies, uh, these Dune movies uh, are meant to be seen on the biggest uh, screen uh, as possible because it's just extraordinary epic filmmaking on every level. Whereas now we know that people will go to the movies because of the uh, grosses for Sidney Sweeney's Anyone But You. Well, so. she's naked. She's naked in it. So, of course, that's why uh, people, you know, are, it's not like you can't see her naked everywhere anyway. So it doesn't really matter. I don't understand that. But. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think it may go beyond that, but it's having not seen it, I can't necessarily no, say it doesn't for go sure what it that, does no. go beyond. It so, doesn't go, okay. you know, trust me on this, it doesn't. Well, I will I will absolutely watch it someday. Yeah, 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 as long as there's a fast button, fast forward button nearby. I, uh, and I'm not a big uh, except for except for when uh, Glenn Howerton works with uh, Linkletter, not a fan. Not a fan, and I understand that. Like the Glenn Powell, hit, Glenn Powell, not Glenn Powell, Glenn Howard. Okay. No, Glenn Howardson. I also I didn't like in BlackBerry, but I like him on I like him on Sony. But but anyway, Glenn uh, Powell. Uh, uh, I understand he's great in the Hitman, which is Linkletter, and I loved him. And everybody wants some, but man, I, I that, that that Top Gun movie and that movie where he was like the friend of the of the African American pilot. That movie that I hated, and this this one with Sidney Sweeney. Oof. I don't, know, I don't know about this guy. As long as he works with Linkletter, I guess it's okay. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> so, all right. I didn't know we were going to get on a Glenn Powell kick, but I just did. So, I guess there, there you go. Lots to talk about, as there always is. True story. Um, the print, the uh, fine print, uh, F-I-E-N. You can check that out at The Hollywood Reporter. And uh, also, before we jump into the latest on that, some of the new TV and reviews and stuff coming up, please tell everybody at your fabulous uh, podcast that you co-host, TV's top five, where they can get it and when they can get it, and what are the latest episodes? Indeed. Uh, TV's top five is the Hollywood Reporter's television podcast. I, of course, host it with my friend and colleague, Leslie Goldberg. We go through all of the week's big television news. I offer reviews. We do interviews. Two weeks ago, we talked with Carrie Burke, who was the head of 20th Television, so one of the town's bigwigs on the studio side, talking about how the marketplace looks after the strikes and all of that. This past week's 
episode, which dropped on Friday. Uh, we're joined by Amy Schumer, who nice. dropped who dropped in to talk about the new season of Life and Beth on Hulu. So mm-hmm. that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, it's a weekly podcast. It drops every Friday morning wherever you get your podcasts. There you go. Make sure you check that out. And that's TV's top five again. All of this is connected at the fine print F I E N in the Hollywood. Um, reporter. Hey, uh, I'm uh, just curious again, as we are getting into the spring uh, time here, uh, when do the TV conventions and all of those things that you either have co-hosted in the past or sponsored in the past, when did those conventions where people are plugging the new shows and the people come out and, you know, do all that, when did, when did those start happening? Well, I, you're going to have to tell me which individual one things you're talking about, because obviously there's the... Is there upfronts. a season for these? Is there a season? Well, there used to be, because Upfronts used to be every May, and that okay. used to be when everyone would announce their new schedules, but that was... Back in a that was in a different age of yes. television. There, <laughs> yeah. there are still technically upfront presentations that will happen in May. They will generally be anticlimactic, uh, but there are all of the other little things on the schedule. For example, the Television Critics Press Tour uh, mm, yeah. was just was just two weeks ago, and so that was that was a thing that I did for a couple days. Went up to Pasadena, uh, presentations from various different networks, different shows. Uh, that was fun. Then in June, there's the ATX Television Festival in Austin, where I generally go and moderate a handful of panels, eat some queso, get some barbecue. Yeah, so we talk that. about that every year. Yeah, that's fun. It is indeed. It is a it is a twelve month a year uh, festivity television. Yeah. So yeah, which is, is good. Keeps so, me busy. <laughs> tell me about the the one that just happened a couple of weeks ago. What, what, what did you do there? And tell me, give me some, give me a quick uh, highlights of that. Sure. Well, uh, basically, the the as your regular listeners will know, the uh, Television Critics Association press tour is the biannual gathering of the nation's TV critics uh, and various network streamers, all of that. And it's been fairly regularly in Pasadena for the past couple. Of, well, actually, nothing's been regular. There, <laughs> there, there, were, right. there were several years that were a pandemic where the yeah. press tour didn't happen. Then there was uh, there was a summer where everyone was on strike, so press tour didn't happen. And as a result of all the strikes, what was supposed to be a January press tour became a February press tour. So I, it, there's no such thing as consistent anymore. It really used to be every year in July and every year in January. Uh, we got together. They did one panel after another for 14 days. Yeah. This was closer to 10 days. Some of the big wigs uh, and big networks weren't there. Uh, Amazon wasn't there. Netflix wasn't there. Warner Brothers took the tour off. But there were still plenty of big, you know, companies. Disney did three full days because Disney has Disney Plus. Disney has ABC. Disney is the umbrella that FX is under. So there were lots and lots and lots of panels. It, It really was. It was a solid 11 days of of fun and festivities. Um, you know, with with some executives, John Landgraf from FX did his annual presentation where he he talked about how, as a result of the strikes and uh, just general cyclical changes in in television, he declared that the peak TV bubble was receding for the first time. So, uh, after in twenty twenty two, there were over six hundred scripted original programs on all of the television 
networks and whatever. Last year, it fell comfortably under 600. So they're dropped for the first time. So if you if you notice that I seem significantly more relaxed, <laughs> better rested, right. like I'm kind of at right. loose ends as to what to do with my time in my life, that is clearly why. Um, and yeah, so that was that was a, it was a couple weeks. It was honestly there's so much regular TV that I, I only got to, I probably got to two thirds of the days, but there mm. were some days where I was just glued to my television and glued to my computer at my, you know, at my TV. So yeah. Yeah. time, man, time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have our, uh, I do one thing a year and that's the annual uh, horror convention that I am one of the hosts of here uh, in Chicago. And that's the flashback uh, weekend horror convention. And man, we have been announcing some guests. Let me just say, who you got? Uh, man, I am unbelievably excited. One, just over the past week, we've announced like a mini reunion for The Thing. Huh. So we've got David Clennon, we've got Thomas Waits, and we've got uh, Keith David so far. Nice. Uh, so that's going to be great, and I will be doing that panel because I, I won't allow anyone else to do it. So I'll be doing that panel. Um, and... We've got Nick Castle from the original Halloween, who obviously went on to be a writer-director of his own and directed great stuff like The Boy Who Could Fly and Tap, and he's going to be there. He's the first guy to ever don the mask as Michael Myers. He's going to be there. Uh, the nurse from the original Michael Myers is going to be there. Uh, the original Halloween is going to be there. We've got some other Halloween guests that are going to be there. And, the, and Devin Sawa, who was in um, <laughs> uh, Final Destination and Idle Hands, and uh, I guess Casper, people remember him from Casper, I guess. They do. Uh, and also, he played Stan in, for people who <laughs> he was Stan in the Eminem video. Uh, <laughs> so he was all tattooed and he drove his girlfriend off a bridge in, in the car in that. Um, so he's going to be there. But the one that they first, the first big guest that they announced uh, to kick off the whole like couple of months of, uh, of big guest announcements, Jane Levy's going to be there. Um, and it's it's going to be ridiculous. I hope that horror fans, because I'm doing her Q&A, and I hope that horror fans enjoy talking about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist <laughs> for like 45 minutes. So I hope they enjoy that very much. Uh, but yeah, she's, she's, she's going to be there too. So, And I've heard through the grapevine some other really, really great guests that have never been to Flashback before. I think we're going to have... Already that lineup is enough for me. I mean, I'm already beside so when is that because i know i remember when you announced the jane levy thing and and that sounded awesome and in my mind i wasn't sure if it had happened or not so no, no, no. when it's is august. that august 2nd oh august okay it's Got always it. the it's always the first weekend in august at the hyatt regency o'hare right by the right by the airport here in chicago and um fantastic it's the best horror convention the biggest in chicago and the best and uh and we're not even we're only in february and we're announcing these extraordinary guests i mean this thing reunion is going to be if we get more guys from the thing i mean i don't think we're going to get Kurt russell but you know, uh, you know, I mean, if you if you could get Wilford Brimley, that would be so cool. <laughs> Sorry, too soon, too soon. Uh, Richard, okay, how about the Richard dog? Dysart? Richard Dysart? Can, we can get Richard. Can you, nope, we can't can get you Richard get the Dysart. Can you get the dog? Is the question. I don't know. I don't know which one. I guess we could. I mean, there's. Uh, but I mean, speaking of dogs, I'm hoping we get Richard Mazer. You know, uh, Bill Rutherford from Risky Business, and so many. And of course, I could ask him about one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> they love me when I do the panels there because I'll talk about one day at a time and Zoe's extraordinary playlists. Anyway, how, how, how would I not talk about Zoe? If I've got Zoe on stage with me, I don't care if I'm at a horror convention. How do you not talk about that show? I would, I would not expect you to. So, <laughs> I mean, I would, or I would assume that you would talk about Zoe. Yeah. So. 
Of course. Good lord. Anyway, and, so and you can also you should also watch uh, you should watch the series run of Suburgatory first. Uh, uh, lots yeah. lots and lots of quality oh, yeah. Jane Levy programming. Absolutely, she's awesome. So anyway, it's going to be fun, and I, and I was just thinking about that because. It's fresh in my brain because every day now, Mike and Mia Kerr's who run it are just announcing all these really cool guests. And lately it's all been guests from The Thing, <laughs> which is a movie that I just watched with my girlfriend and she had never seen it before. And we watched huh. it be- because of True Detective because I was going nuts during the first episode of True Detective. I was like, oh my God, because there were 27 Easter eggs but, you know, from The Thing and they named the major character, the missing character, Clark. You know, And I was like, you can't. you know." So we watched The Thing. She loved it. She'd never seen it before and she loved it. And was like, these are special effects from 40 years ago? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, they are. And, so, then, yeah. and then you showed her the, uh, the prequel or sequel or oh, whatever it was. God, from Kate Beckinsale, right? Kate Beckinsale was in that? No, right? uh, Kate Beckinsale uh, was in Whiteout, which is nearly the same uh, movie. Ah, that's it. Uh, she was Mary Stewart Elizabeth, and, not Mothry, <laughs> no. What's her name? Uh, Winstead, right? Mary, yes. Yeah, okay. The one, who was locked in the, the one who was locked in the cellar with Goodman, with John Goodman in the uh, Cloverfield movie. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Her. I like. Why am I reducing her to that? She's such a good actress. <laughs> I was going to say there are plenty of reasons I know, to like so Mary many Elizabeth Greg Fargo. I mean, geez, what an idiot I am. Okay. Anyway, she's great. But I no, I will. Did, I actually <laughs> did a set visit for that movie. They were so proud of of that movie for which on one? the set for the for the thing remake or oh, reboot God. or, the, or the, prequel, the prequel or whatever prequel, the hell it yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Uh, they were they were so excited. They oh were talking God. about all the practical effects they were going to yeah. do and how they were going to do very little CG. Right. And then my yeah. understanding is that was not what ended no, up happening. No, they overlapped <laughs> everything with CG. Whatever practical stuff they did, they covered. It was, it's horrible. Horrible. That was but anyway. all anyone wanted to talk about on set was how they were going to pay homage to the pay homage to the original by the doing Rob as Hotin. much yeah. practical as they could, yeah. and yeah. then they didn't. Nope. They didn't. <laughs> and I'll tell you, man, watching the thing, I've, I've seen the thing five thousand times, but just watching it a couple of weeks ago, uh, you watch that movie now, and it's it's astonishing what what Botin did. Astonishing. I mean, no. and it's also a great movie. It's just a great movie. Whatever whatever limitations there were or weren't are so totally usurped by the creativity of the process yeah. Yeah. that that you never that you don't even think for a second. Oh, you know, they could have been more yeah. high tech. No, yeah. you think, man, that is just inspired work. Yeah, it's a great movie, and I and I love the fact I love it when movies get reevaluated. Like because you know, I think I remember when it came out, it bombed. I went to see it, it bombed. I mean, tanked. And now it's like considered one of the greatest sci-fi, science fiction horror films of all time, and rightly so. But anyway, it always it always seems to me that Carpenter's movies take forever for people to really appreciate. Not all of them, but a lot. Of, like Big Trouble in Little China, people hated that when it came out. And now everybody loves it. So I'm and, waiting for I'm, that, waiting for I'm waiting for I'm waiting waiting for Ghosts of Mars reappreciation. That's oh, I thought you were waiting for when we for when we get together to reevaluate that Peacock uh, anthology series. No, God, no, 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 no. I know. I'm just talking about his features. I'm not talking about. Oh, okay. No, I'm not you're talking about body. I'm not talking about body bags, and I'm not talking about suburban horrors or whatever that, that, that nonsense is. Now I'm, okay, I'm talking about fair. like even like the Ward. People are going to go back and look at the Ward and go, Hey, good film. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you say so I go, <laughs> all right well let's there, move on there, there have to be limits <laughs> yeah not in the not in my world not in john carpenter in, in my world but that's just me anyway so we did mention the thing we did true detective true detective wrapped up since the last time we uh we spoke uh i gotta say i thought it was terrific i i really did and um some crazy stuff happened during the last couple of episodes and it went in weird vague territory and ended kind of ambiguously with some sort of possible is this person dead is this person not dead that kind of thing 
uh, and you can kind of, it's open for whatever interpretation you want. Uh, but I ultimately was very satisfied with, with, uh, with those episodes of television. I thought, I thought they were pretty great, and some of it was astonishing, and I thought Jodie Foster was amazing. I thought she was great. Your thoughts on the, on the whole thing? We talked a little bit about it, but just as a recap? We did. I, I rewatched the finale uh, the other day just to make sure it was somewhat fresh in my head. And, and yeah. I think I felt roughly the same about it as I did when I binged all six in a row before writing my review, which was that, that for me, I both found the resolution to the season's mysteries surprisingly satisfying, all things considered. And we yeah. won't spoil it because yeah. that's not the business we're in. Uh but I found it fairly choppy, and I think it was kind of reflective of the way I felt about a lot of the season, is that there were a lot of aspects that I wish could have had a little bit more room to breathe. And some of the things were, you know, fairly obvious. Like, I, I don't know how you justify having Fiona Shaw doing whatever it was that she was doing there. And just, I, I don't know what that character was doing there. And yeah, I, yeah. I feel like there's a longer version where maybe she's actually kind of a human being. And I, I think I felt like that about a lot of the supporting characters. I think I felt that way about a lot of the most interesting of the subplots. Like, call me a fool, I would have liked to have learned a little bit more about the way the town operated, about the mm -hmm. way the mining, op the mining operation operated. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted more time spent with the indigenous community in, in Ennis, Alaska. Just really, I wanted two more episodes so that everything could take a deep breath and actually inhale and exhale, as opposed to the finale, which I thought was kind of caroming off of walls for 76 minutes. It um, was. It, I agree with you. It was. And the other thing I, I find interesting, we talked about this, you know, uh, in the past uh, regarding the season of True Detective. I very rarely hear you say, and you, talk, you said this yourself, uh, that you wanted more. <laughs> from uh, from a series because most of the time you're like these episodes are too long there's too much of this there's too much of that but I guess that's kind of a compliment even if it's flawed but it's kind of a compliment to have wanted more than than what you got I don't know I think it's I think it can be a compliment like I think for example in the case of True Detective it was completely a compliment it's, yeah. I, I wanted this to be an eight episode TV show um, yeah and I don't hear that from you very often <laughs> no no because because my life is finite and my time is finite but but on the other hand I felt somewhat similarly about uh, the new Avatar the Last Airbender live action adaptation on Netflix that just mm. premiered where I the the animated series i i assume you have not watched the no okay um it, it's such a it's it's a delightful series and mm -hmm. plays delightfully now its pacing is so good and so right and the pacing of the netflix live action is so bad and so hastily done so on one hand it needed to be longer on the other hand i didn't want to watch more of it and so that's right. kind of the distinction i would make is there are lots right. of things where i'm like this could have been better if they'd done justice to it i just don't need to be there for gotcha. it whereas with true detective i enjoyed the six episodes i watched i just thought for me it's kind of the difference between it being a great season of television and yeah. a good season of television. And I gotcha. that's I gotcha. where I draw the line there on that one. Well, for me, you know, and uh, uh, I believe Julie, my, my girlfriend, probably, I think she liked it more than, she enjoyed it more than I did. And I thought it was terrific, but she really, really loved it. I, I will say there were certain um, scenes and sequences and moments throughout those six episodes that I was floored by. I have to say that for, for me, 
episode four, the Christmas episode, by far for me was the best episode of that series. Um, and, and truly one of my favorite sort of Christmas you know, uh, uh, episodes of all time of television. I mean, I really thought it was exquisitely sad and wonderful and everybody had a chance to shine in that. And I found it heartbreaking and, and, and really kind of creepy and wonderful uh, in every regard. But then there were moments in other episodes that just knocked me out. I mean, the fifth episode, some stuff happens in the fifth episode where I was like, what? You know, like seriously, like, and you know what I'm talking about. Like some, stu- some stuff happens there where it's like, oh my God, like genuinely, like <gasps> I didn't see that coming. I was like, what? And, and <laughs> I find that refreshing, you know, to, to, to be completely shocked out of my pants while watching something like that. And that happened a couple of times during that episode, episode five. Um, and I do agree with you. It careens all over the place and wraps stuff up too quickly in episode six. But I, I was ultimately satisfied with it and was completely uh, impressed by every performance in it. I thought everybody was just amazing. And, and Jodie Foster, man, I mean, she's just a, what can you say about Jodie Foster? She's just the best. She is, she is very excellent. And the show had a, had a solid ratings bounce back after two seasons that were basically ratings negative. And, yeah, yeah. uh, and it was fairly quickly renewed for another season with Issa Lopez, uh, yeah. as the creative force. So, yeah. So that's good news if and you're now, a fan of the and, season and bad news if you're Nick Pizzolatto. Right. So. Now, let's talk a little bit about this. So we were, before we started recording, I was catching up on all the craziness with him on the Instagram and posting things, and he hated this season, and then he didn't, and he did this, he posted. What was the latest with the craziness of this of the guy who created True Detective? What's, well, what's... The, thing, the thing that your listeners will have to keep in mind is that we, um, let's just say, hypothetically are recording this a little early. So there's a chance that there could be God only knows how many additional uh, yeah. layers of, right. of stupidity by the time that this um, gets posted. Because, That's right. You're right. Be, because, and and I, I keep saying this, and and it's just it's reductive, but it's also true. The 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 thing he should have done and could have done and uh, could have prevented us from having this conversation at all would have been to simply be quiet and yeah. to uh, and to let his checks continue to cash because he he did make some amount of money for this season of television just of for putting did. his name on it and contributing absolutely nothing creatively, right. um, which is you know nice work if you can get it you you set yourself up with a a legacy franchise where you can have your name on it as a, as an executive producer. And then you can apparently go on uh, Instagram and uh, talk shit about the show and, uh, and, and tear it to bits and then feel regretful and then uh, uh, tear it to shreds again, and then feel bad when people come and dogpile on uh, the show in your, in your mentions and then feel bad when the press reports that you're being a classless narcissist and, uh, you can you can even say that uh, that people have been treating you saying negative things. I believe he compared he compared the way people were saying he was responding to the show as Hitlerian or something, yeah, I, which yeah. is just never a, a good no. analogy to make if you're a human no, being. No, that's, uh, a, that's a name you don't want to mention ever. <laughs> It's you, you, certainly you should not bring it up apropos of nothing. And no. nobody, nobody, nobody said, hey, what do you think this has to do with Hitler? <laughs> then, right. like, it, like if someone gives you that prompt, even then you're still, <laughs> you should still probably go, I know better than to yeah. answer that question. Yeah. Uh, but no, so he stepped, he, look, and, and I keep saying this, everybody understands 
the way he's feeling if you take a step back. We have yeah. all had some situation in our life where a thing that we were involved with is now being done by somebody else and they're either doing it better than we did or they're doing it worse, but either way, you feel the need to yep. clarify that whatever it is, it's not you. Exactly. It's a totally human yeah. feeling to have. I've been doing the that for four years now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a certain radio station. Yes, I've been doing that for about four well, years. But here's the difference there, is you got screwed in that situation, yeah. and therefore there's no reason why you shouldn't say whatever you want to about them. Nick Pizzolatto did not get screwed by HBO. He chose to go elsewhere. Right. He also chose to continue to have an executive producing credit on the show to take whatever amount of money that of gives him. I don't yeah. know what it is. So th these are choices that he made and continues to benefit from. You're being angry because you have a good reason to be angry. Right. He's just being bitter because the world moved on without him and some people like the new thing better than they well, liked the last two seasons of his old thing does does he in all of this ranting and raving that he's done does he mention the fact that like that carrie uh, fukunaga is actually responsible for like the greatness really of those first of that first season well, no is that he's not <laughs> okay I mean, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't say come on give me credit for this but really you should be giving carrie fukunaga credit yeah i mean come no. on man i mean that's the star i mean that was the guy who who just knocked I, it out of the park. I mean, I think that I think that there that it was a particular alchemy that that was yeah, about yeah. the writing, that was about the direction, that sure. was about Woody and Matthew McConaughey. It was a lot of different sure. elements. Even under those circumstances, it wasn't a one hundred percent smooth and consistent and perfectly arced season of television. People yeah. are repressing just how angry some people were <laughs> about the finale of the first season of the show, <laughs> and and that's before you get into the fact that the second season is is yeah. ambitious garbage. Yeah. The third season is all over the place. Yeah. It's and and so for whatever reason he's got his fandom and it just happens that his fandom is largely made up of angry white men that is yep. that is simply demographically what they are yep. and nobody has the common sense to say you know that doing this pile on to a young uh latina storyteller is not a good look, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Surely you should have just that little self-preservation instinct that tells you, regardless of what you think, to just take a step yeah. back and, yeah. and not. Yeah. And well, he apparently does not have that hmm. uh, button. So. Well, we'll see. We'll see. At, t at the time when this drops, we'll see just how much more foots in mouths happen while, uh, while this happens. <laughs> like, like at, the mo at the point at which we're talking... The most recent thing has been him mostly deleting the previous yeah. things. My right. guess is at some point he's going to do an actual interview with someone, and I don't know who the interview is. TV's going to be. top five. Well, whatever. If he wants to come on, he is welcome. He okay. would. He would. He would probably have to have listened to things we said about him previously, and he would have to decide if that was the thing he wanted to do. But right. I can like. But but I'm trying. I just did, and I'm trying to still be empathetic about the way he's feeling. The way he's feeling to me is entirely valid. The way he's handling it is entirely infantile. But those, you know, those are different things. Right. He's, oh, he's entirely allowed to be disappointed and to feel as if 
you know, even if it turns out that it was actually significantly better than what he did, it was not what he did. And so he's entitled to feel that she did something else. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm tolerant to that, but I assume that he is going to do an interview with someone where he is going to have had the time to take this step back and have his handlers tell him, okay, you're going to have to be aware of how this looks and, and be, um, civil. Yeah. <laughs> to be a grown up, And, and I think he will. And I think he, but even still, you know, the guy has had a bunch of things that have gotten picked up, uh, to pilot, but haven't gone to, but haven't actually been made and haven't gone to series. So he's not at a moment at which he's destroying his career. His career is in a, is in one of those weird Hollywood nether regions, the night yeah. country, if you will, <laughs> yeah. uh, where where he where he's not jeopardizing anything active at this moment. He's just jeopardizing people wanting to be in a room with him. Right. And and he, he's going to have to be acquiescent to some degree. And I, I think he can be. He's obviously mm. a smart person. So he just needs to figure out the right things to say and to say them. But he's mostly been saying and doing the wrong things yeah. up until wow. this point. Okay, well, that's it. But we do have another. We do have another season uh, to look forward to at some point in the future. Of, at uh, some point, Fix. yeah. Uh, all right, uh, John Stewart. Big news. John Stewart uh, has returned just on Mondays uh, to the Daily Show, which is the he's do he's pulling a, a Johnny Carson opposite. So he's going to be there only on Mondays. <laughs> so for, I'm sorry, I just I just aged myself unbelievably there. Uh, for those people who don't know who, first of all, who Johnny Carson is, uh, he was a late night. He was. A, I know you do. For some people <laughs> who might not know who Johnny Carson is, because I literally just was watching television the other day, and, and somebody was like, "I mentioned Johnny Carson, nobody knew who he was," um, which I find astonishing. But um, that would be like when I was younger, not knowing who Steve Allen was. So I, I think it would be the same. Equation. I I just think that everyone just needs to know that that Johnny Carson was like the Jimmy Fallon of his era. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! All right, except he took Mondays off. Okay, he took Mondays off, and and that was the only difference between them. <laughs> yeah. All right. I believe we're done talking. No. Uh, anyway, but I, that was my joke. I just made myself an old man. I made an opposite. He's the opposite Johnny Carson. and Nobody's going to get that who's under 40. Uh, but Johnny Carson, at one point in his career, uh, decided he didn't want to work on Monday. So they would have guests uh, come in and host the guest host would come in. Uh, and so John Stewart, on the other hand, they, have they officially announced who's now hosting The Daily Show? No, no, it's it, it is it's still not announced, right? I mean, it still... is not announced. Right. It is in flux, and it's. I, I think that we have established through enough scuttlebutt, like the producers haven't said it, but uh, I think enough people have that basically they were on the verge of being ready to hire uh, Hassan Minaj. Yeah, that's what I and heard, yeah. and then uh, the New Yorker story uh, torpedoed that, and yeah. and that that prevented them from doing that and then there was a strike and as a result they ended up with no host mm -hmm. and they realized that they were heading towards an election year with no host which is not good if you're the daily show so so yeah so they are doing john stewart on mondays and a rotating desk right. of various correspondents the other days and i guess they presumably either are hoping that one of the uh, the correspondence stands out in a very clear and obvious way or that enough time passes where people don't remember whether or not they're offended <laughs> and disturbed by Hassan Minaj anymore and yeah. if they can just hire him. So, okay. All right. 
Well, well, John Stewart is back to, to, to get back to it. He's on Mondays and obviously brought back for, you know, an election year. What, what are the thoughts on John's first show back on uh, the Daily? On the Daily I, I think I think the general consensus has been that it's been basically like no time has passed, that he has stepped back in as smoothly as possible. I think the question is whether time has passed and moved past Jon Stewart. I think that's uh, what mm. some people are unsure on. And I think I'm somewhat in the time has moved past. On the other hand, he still is extremely funny. I think that um, he's only had, as of the time that we're doing this, he's only had two episodes. By the time right. people listen, he will have had a third, which I assume right. will be brilliant. Right. Uh, and he, there, there's a there are problems with the format with the biggest being that a Monday show, it's tough to know when it gets recorded and it's tough to make a Monday show timely because it's already likely to be three or four days old. And unfortunately, he's made it his first two episodes to be even further behind than that. The first episode, he did an extended 25-minute uh Basically, Joe Biden is old, but Donald Trump is old, but Joe yep. Biden is old, but Donald Trump is old and evil, et cetera, et cetera. And, yep. and you know, and some people chose to interpret that as being both sides. I, I don't know that that was exactly true. To me, he still drew a very clear line between the two men. It wasn't as simple as here are two old men. Right. It was here are two old men. The choice should be clear, but for some but it has become less clear than maybe it should be because here are two old men. Uh and you know, he was able to use the special counsel's report tied to Joe Biden to make it semi-timely so that it was only like three or four days behind the curve on the keys part of the story, though right, right. little known fact, Joe Biden has been old for his entire time <laughs> as president. That's yes, that yes, didn't suddenly happen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um and last week's show he talked about the the embarrassing Tucker Carlson uh yep. Vladimir Putin interview, which was 10 days earlier, uh, 12 days earlier. Yeah. So just, yeah. uh, I, th and that to me is a concern. The, the amount of behind the curve he finds himself being and how far behind the curve he finds himself being, especially airing one night after uh, John Oliver. Which and that exactly my thought. Yeah. Dan, exactly my thought. And, and at this point, John Oliver's voice really is sharper and yep. more of the moment than John yep. Stewart's. Yep. And and that's and that's just not great for him establishing whatever it's supposed to be and I don't know what he's supposed to do what he was supposed to have done if if there was a different day he would have he could have chosen that would have worked better like would Friday have Friday, worked better well, than maybe, you know, I don't know. But I I don't know or Thursday I, I guess the show doesn't air on Friday. Oh yeah, that's or, right. Thursday would be yeah. But, yeah. But I guess he didn't want to do that. He wanted to make sure that he was able to get people in the door on the first day of the week and, and introduce who the host was going to be for the rest of the week. So the first yeah. week it was Jordan Klepler. And, you know, he's always good. I like Jordan Klepler. I, I like I like Desi Lydic, frankly. Me too. I, I, I would, I would like, choose her, if, if, quite frankly. I was the I, host. I think I, that once they couldn't get once they couldn't get Hassan Minaj, I think they had to go to uh, Roy Wood, who I also think is fantastic. I love him, too. Yeah, I love him, too. Um, and I think 
for some reason that didn't happen. And I don't know if it didn't happen at all. I don't know if they just weren't enthusiastic or generous enough to, to make it work. Uh, mm. Whatever it was, that should have been the second choice. But I think Desi's great. I think Jordan is very good. I don't really like Michael Costa all that much, but sometimes he makes me laugh. But I think that Dulce Sloan is fantastic. Yeah, she's great too. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think they, at this moment, I think they just have a really good stable of correspondence, and Agreed. I think they're in good shape. And the ratings have been up. Uh, the Monday shows have gotten a big boost. And uh, at least for the first week, the subsequent shows got a, a solid bump that can only be attributed to sure. added attention from Stewart. Sure. So that's that's where they are. It, it seems to for now be working out. It's interesting because like I watching because, you know, John Oliver returned um, after three months or whatever it is. It's three months, right? That uh, that he takes off something. Like uh, that. Seems about right. Yeah. So it, it was his return and it was after John Stewart had already come back. And, and, and I watched it and I was like, you know, I mean. Uh, well, not just because I love the fact that he included the uh, the rat hole, Chicago's rat hole, in the, in the first <laughs> uh -huh. segment, which I just absolutely loved that he mentioned that in a hilarious fashion. But the whole thing that he did with Clarence Thomas is unbelievable. I mean, it's just it's just so great, and and like you watch John Stewart, and it's great. And again, like you said, behind he's a little bit behind and stuff like that. But then I just look at what I watched like the night before, and I'm like, man, <laughs> it's tough. It's just tough, and I really love John Stewart, and I'm I'm glad to see him back and all that stuff. But man, I, you know, I don't want to compare him to, to to last week tonight. But Jesus, and it's I don't know. and of course <laughs> it's such a it's such a different format. It you is, know, the, yeah. the that Stewart still feels like he needs to do interviews, and he's that's never really been his best thing. Yeah. But sometimes he does decent interviews, so he's done interviews in both of the first two episodes, and they've been okay. But yeah. you know, you still you can't keep up with what it is that John Oliver does because well, it's know. not the same thing. And yet if they're consecutive nights, there's no way not to compare them. I know. I know. And it is a different animal. I, I, I understand that too, because what John Oliver does is he prepares one amazing topic to do 25 minutes on with incredible writers uh, and really great concepts. And uh, you know, the daily show is the daily show. It's a different animal. I know that, but like, when I watch John Stewart the next night, I'm like, oh man, because they also because they worked together, <laughs> you know. Oh, I mean, that's another sure. thing, and all that stuff. I mean, it's just kind of you know, uh, you know, gathered together, and it's hard to separate. But them he, and the thing is, he's not Stewart isn't even doing the Daily Show, and that's the problem yeah. is that yeah. he's not doing the Daily Show, but he also isn't doing Last Week Tonight because the Daily yeah. Show is not the. Uh, the 10 or 15 minute long segment, you can do it. And that was the thing that Trevor made sure that he did because he wanted to. But The Daily Show is still, here are the headlines from the day that we're going to poke around at, as right. opposed to here we're going to do a deep dive into something from 10 days ago. It's just not yeah. the thing that is going to allow him and that show to stand up. So Yeah, yeah. and I, especially, when you got, especially when you got a guy uh, like Seth Meyers doing closer looks and stuff. Um, which I think are strong as hell. And, and I love watching Seth, and I think his stuff is great, and it's daily. You know? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I watch all the late-night guys. I watch Colbert. I watch. I don't watch Fallon. He's the only one. I don't watch the heir apparent to Johnny Carson. I, you. <laughs> I, watch, I watch the other Jimmy, and I watch, and, and I watch uh, 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 Colbert, and I watch Seth. And, and I enjoy all those guys. Seth the most. Of all of them, Seth is the one I like the most in terms of especially, especially in terms of handling news and, and, and those kind of things. 
That that I completely agree with. When it comes yeah. to handling topicality and and the and the deeper looks and all of that, that yeah. is the thing that that Seth does terrifically. Yeah. And and yeah, this was this was not what the marketplace was when Stewart started off on the That's Daily right. Show. He he invented the voice and he invented the format. And well, he didn't really invent the format, but he made the format what it was because it wasn't what Craig, Craig Kilborn had been doing before him. It was right. it was similar, but it was right. markedly different. But and, now, yeah. And that's what you were talking about. That's what you were alluding to right at the top of this segment was like, has time moved on? And yeah, I mean, when you got guys like, when you got guys doing a closer look, when you got Seth doing a closer look every night, it's great. <laughs> it's funny but and I'm, smart I'm, and good. But I'm and, still, I don't, I don't mind having Jon Stewart out there in this yeah. environment. I like it. I wish that, you know, I wish Samantha B was, had a, had a yeah. platform at this point. I think, I think we are, I think we are lesser for the lack of her voice in this. And I, yeah. you know, I hope that at some point, maybe they find a way to bring her in for four days at the desk yeah. uh, down the road. Obviously. Yeah, and I really don't think they yeah. needed to reboot after midnight or at midnight, especially without, I mean, that was like, wait, because I didn't even know that that was going to be a thing. <laughs> like, I was like, wait a minute, Chris, where's, where's Chris Hardwick? And, and uh, I don't know, uh, but that, I don't even watch that. And I used to watch at midnight every night. I used to love that show. Um, and I've only watched one or two episodes, and I think it's okay. I like I like Taylor Tomlinson a lot, and uh, and it just uh, too much too yeah. much stuff. <laughs> gotcha. All right, let's get into uh, some a, a serious thing here. Shogun. Now, a lot of people, uh, like myself included, again, I'm going to date myself. Remember the '80s miniseries with Richard Chamberlain. Uh, this is based on the on the James Clavell book. But it's completely, uh, I don't know, more authentic? Is that the way to look at it? Um, but this is on FX and Hulu or wherever the hell you find these things. Um, but this is Shogun. And have you seen every? Have you seen all of it? I have seen all of it. And it is, it is 10 episodes. And um, it's, it's definitely more authentic. That is, that is without any question. It was... Um, it was initially supposed to be shot in Japan, but because of the pandemic and other various things, they they didn't, and and so that's that's just how that went. Unfortunately, that was their goal, uh, but they did make sure that they brought in a, an almost entirely Japanese cast of of actors. Uh, many, uh, several of the writers on the show are are Japanese. Uh, lots of the the crew and technical people are, are Japanese. There was an attempt to bring in as much authenticity as possible to have as much of the series actually told in Japanese as possible. Um, and it, it does the, all of that extremely well, I think. I think it is it is beautiful television. I, mm. I do not anticipate there being a a show on television this year with with better costume design with better production design it's 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 a beautiful show mm -hmm. um if if you have vivid memories of the richard chamberlain miniseries um it's it it ends up becoming more of a a white guy love story that's that's simply the way it ends up being um i i I've been saying this also because it continues to be true. My review doesn't come across exactly as well as I would like it to. Uh, I think it does a good job of saying what the new Shogun does well. I think it does a less good job of kind of explaining what it doesn't do well. And I think that what it doesn't do well is, okay, so it knows that it cannot be the Richard Chamberlain's character, Richard Chamberlain character's story. And that is John Blackthorne. Uh, he's played here by Cosmo Jarvis, who um, some people will know from 
God, what old people know him from? He was he was in he was in Lady Macbeth, the uh, the Florence Pugh. Oh, sure. Movie. Okay. Um, and, but he ultimately kind of looks like every British yeah. actor. Um, gotcha. And and that's kind of what he's supposed to be. Um, and it's so it does still use him as at least briefly the point of entry character, but very quickly it becomes kind of a split narrative uh, with his character and uh, Lord Toranaga played by Hiroyuki Sonata, who's, who's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got the split narratives wherein one of the people is trying to consolidate all of the power of Japan and the other person doesn't really have anything to do at all. And so in my review, I said that what it lacks is the romance from both the book and the original miniseries. I, oh, okay. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I'm not. Okay. I'm not like. I'm not like. God, give me more romance. This is what I need right. in my television. Um, but if you're gonna spend half of the series with this guy, you have to give him something to do. And the romance is the obvious answer because it's what's on the page. A, a smarter approach would be to find an alternative thing for him to do because you know a lot of this is based on on actual Japanese history and the character he's playing is based on uh, William Adams, who was a, a British navigator who lived in Japan for an extended period of time, was the first Englishman to reach Japan. He was a, um, not partner, but was a um, compatriot, not compatriot, whatever it was. He worked with the, the rising shogun in Edo, Japan, um, important historical figure. They can't find anything for him to do and to me there's a blank spot in the middle of the show where you have a character who just isn't doing anything and Mm. yet is constantly there and that's where my problem with the show is i think it's a i think it's a good show i think it works it works so hard to be honorable and to do right by the story to do right by the culture i think all of the supporting performances by the various japanese actors are fantastic i think that anna sawai who uh, was in the Apple TV, King not King Kong, Godzilla show. I think she's very good. She was also in Pachinko. I think she is a, a star on the rise, and I think she is great here. Um, beautiful to look at. Filmed in Vancouver, ultimately, or British Columbia-y, but wow. looks, go- okay. looks gorgeous, whatever wow. it is. You okay. think Vancouver can be anywhere. That's it the, can. That's the, that's the fun thing about Vancouver. Yeah. It's just <laughs> sort of British How far Columbia. away from Vancouver did you live when you were... <laughs> <laughs> what was that? How far away from Vancouver did you live? when you Did you ever live in Vancouver? No, I've, I've, I've been to Vancouver only for set visits. Oh, um, okay. Many set visits in Vancouver. It's okay. and it's it's beautiful, and it can yeah. and it can be anywhere. So, um, but yes. So I, I liked it. It even with the sort of middle of the story that doesn't really go anywhere. It still moves very well. It it's full of richness of culture of of thoughts about difference and othering and and just evolving isolationist culture. I think it's I think it's really interesting to look at. There's an extra level that I wish it could have had that would have been a little bit more emotionally grabbing mm. and mm. Uh, you know, not not a big deal. I I definitely still recommend people check out Shogun for sure. Okay. It's it's okay. it's worth it. 
All right, before we wrap it up, your thoughts on the final season of Curb, and you've seen everything but, but the last episode, correct? I've seen everything but the last episode, so I don't know exactly where it ends up. Um, I hit, hit and miss, which to me is what Curb has been for like the last three or four seasons. I thought yeah. the first season back after like the six-year delay, whenever that one was, I thought that was really bad. And there was, there was one season where I was like, oh God, Curb Your Enthusiasm is just gone off the edge and yeah. it's it's now just a grumpy old man yelling at the clouds right. which is partially what the show is i mean that's that's what larry david's shtick is yeah um but but no to to me curb fairly reliably at this point does three or four brilliant episodes per season two or three episodes that are total duds and uh three or four that are kind of hit and miss, but still interesting. And yeah. that's, that's what I've thought about, about this season. Um, yeah. 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 Well, I'm, we're two episodes in. Well, at this point we'll be three episodes. Indeed. Uh, uh, and, uh, and I've laughed, uh, I laughed pretty consistently, especially the first episode. The first episode was hilarious. Um, and I thought the second episode, there were great moments in it. I thought it was very funny overall. I liked it. I know I'm, I'm a fan of it. I think it's very funny. It makes me laugh out loud. But J.B. Smoove had one line in the last episode, or the, I should say the episode before last, since this is going to be airing. <laughs> but as we are recording, and not to break the illusion, I've only seen the first two episodes. Um, and there's the episode where um, uh, Vince Vaughn has been having sex with this woman to impregnate her and then decides to uh, invite the other guys to see if they want to have sex with her to, to impregnate her. And, J.B. Smoove wins. And at one point, <laughs> at one point he's, they're talking about the child that they might have. And at one point, J.B. Smoove said, and I, um, I literally have been saying this for like, like a week now, is uh, that kid is going to come out with a mustache and bad credit. And I almost <laughs> fell off the couch laughing. Like, J.B. Smoove just makes me laugh. Every time the guy opens his mouth, it just, it's gold. And the fact that like, just whatever that weird relationship that he and Larry have I just find that every time he's in there and he and Larry David are in a scene together even if it's as stupid as just like his balls hanging out and Larry saying something about it I find it endlessly amusing but yeah that, there, was, there was a lot of talk about people's balls hanging out in that episode <laughs> yes there, <was. laughs> there really just was <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that there you go way to bring it all full circle there you go but I'm with Indeed. you on it I, I I think that um there are times when when Curb runs hot and cold, and you're right that 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 season where he returned was pretty bad. But when it's good, man, it's as funny as anything gets. And, oh, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely. When it when it is funny, it is sharp as hell. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to bet that we'll see this world again at some point in yeah. some capacity. Just because yeah. he's saying it's over, that just means he doesn't want the responsibility of of being yeah. asked about it. <laughs> The next time we talk, I know the regime will have been started starting to air. I believe the next time we talk, or just right. start to air. That's the one with uh, Kate Winslet, and more importantly, Andrea Riceboro. Um, so you'll have a review of that. What are what else are you watching and looking forward to writing about? Uh, that people can check out at the Hollywood Reporter and the Fine Print. There's just so much. TV and some of it is just popping up. I have, I have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to on THR. Also, uh, it's uh, the Now See This newsletter, and a lot of stuff that I don't review in full form. You can get kind of seventy-five to a hundred word reviews of it in in the newsletter that comes oh, out every Friday. Okay. So. Okay. People should subscribe to that if they want to. Um, yeah, they it's, should. It's, it's, it's ultimately just yet another vehicle for for me to babble about TV. But fortunately. Yeah. 
there's a lot of a lot there's of good a lot, stuff. So. A lot of good stuff. And again, one more time, the name of the newsletter. People can check it out at Hollywood Reporter. Yes, it is the Now See This newsletter, and uh, you go there's somewhere on the front page. There's a newsletters tab, and you can subscribe to it there. It comes out every Friday afternoon, mid afternoon Pacific time. There you go. Okay, great. All right, Dan. Always a pleasure, my friend, and I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Till next time, Nick. All right, buddy. Take care. Dan Feinberg, he's the best. And you know who else is the best? Esmeralda Leon, and here she comes. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Esmeralda Leon. That's right. When you hear that theme, that means it's time to talk to the great Esmeralda Leon, uh, who joins us uh, via uh, uh, satellite. No, it's not a satellite. It's a Wi-Fi. It's via microphone and whatever. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hi. Don't let me explain anything technical in the world of anything technical. But uh, we're here. Yeah, I can ma- tell you how it works. It's, it's magic. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. It's magic. Pretty much. Yeah. It's Chris Angel Mind. What's his name? Mind Freak, right? This is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris Angel. Anyway, Esmeralda's here. Are you a fan of the Chris Angel? <laughs> I don't really think about the man. <laughs> don't really. Doesn't, Doesn't cross really my mind, Chris. Chris really. Angel, uh, shocking that Chris Angel does not cross your mind on a daily basis. I don't know. Yeah, no. Do you think anybody thinks of Chris besides Chris Angel? Do you think anybody oh, besides no, Chris Angel for sure. thinks about Chris Angel? Of course, there's plenty of people who love him, but I just don't think about him. I'm trying to Do remember. Not think about him because I everything I like because I, I know because like anything I think that he did I'm like no no that was David Blaine like I was thinking like okay the dude mm-hmm. didn't he, he sat in a box for four days and didn't eat and had his you know that nope nope that's David Blaine isn't he the guy that walks yeah. down the street and floats no that's David Blaine uh well, you know making the Statue of Liberty yeah. disappear no that's David no that's David Copperfield does. David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear if I remember correctly. Um, what the hell did Chris Angel? But he's just—I just remember him being a no ma- idea. And he had a he's TV a mind show. Freak. Yeah, he just remember him being a massive, massive douchebag with bad hair. That's the only thing I remember about him. And yeah. I think he appeared. I think he appeared in a couple of movies because there was that time. There was a period of time. I think it was in the early aughts mm-hmm. when Chris when Chris Angel was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's he's very much to be. I think people confuse him also with um, that guy who also had a TV show, and he was like the the guy who could get women. <laughs> Do you remember that? No wait. I think they dressed very similarly. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Was this an infomercial? This other thing, or was it a regular? No, show? it was like it was like a TV show. It was like a I think it was a like a competition or something. These, I think I thought okay. maybe they did. Wait, maybe re- re- not. Re- re- let's let's refresh I our memories. I couldn't tell about you his name. The guy who could or get, what and, he looked like, or I just I think he wore a fedora. Or 
So this was a TV show where some douchebag wore a fedora and picked up chicks? I guess. Okay. I forget right. exactly. Okay. That sounds like an early aughts thing, though. I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that something like that would be on TV. Hey, let's do an entire series based on this douchebag with a hat who can pick up chicks. You know what I mean? That sounds yeah. like something that some idiot in a cable channel office would come up with. One of those idiots who have no, not a, you know, not a creative bone in their body, but they think they do. You know, like the bosses yeah. at Next, yeah, yeah. Like the bosses at Nexstar. Those idiots that they, that they think they have a creative bone in their body, but they're morons. Yeah, yeah. I got an idea. Put a fedora on a guy and have him pick up chicks. That'll uh, that'll 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 kill off an hour every week. <laughs> I don't remember it at all. Oh, um, it was called the pickup artist. Okay, who was he? He's just some. He's apparent. He was apparently some guy who could. Pick up women. Pick up women. His name was, uh, (laughs) he was uh, named Mystery. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. And he wore a big, fuzzy, um, very Jamiroquai looking hat. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, Esmeralda. Now, is that hot? Is, I mean, when, when, well, I'll tell you what, when Jamiroquai is wearing it and he's dancing, that's hot. Well, see, here's the thing this, this pickup artist show is in 2007. Okay. Uh, Jamiroquai was like in the 90s. He was, yes. So he he has a beat completely. (laughs) Like you're still wearing fuzzy big. um, Right. right. What do you call those? It was like a rimmed hat, like a, but giant. Yeah. It was like a giant. It wasn't a fedora, but it was kind of like the Arby's hat. Uh, It was bigger than a fedora. Yeah. It wasn't like what, what's, what is his, what's his ass wears the, he wears a Arby's hat. Um, uh, it was um, it was squarer. Okay, who's the guy that now wears I'm just the Arby's like, what hat? What do you call hats, <laughs> Pharrell? Like, what oh, do you call a, a hat? <laughs> there are different types of hats. I just don't know. They're not all fedoras. Top? No, a bowler. No. Bowler. No, not a bowler. No, that's no, that, tiny. Bowler is what a bowler is. What Curly wears in the Three Stooges? He wears a bowler. Uh, bowler is also, I believe, what. Uh, Oliver Hardy wears. Jeez, I, why, all my references are from 30s comedy sure. shorts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What an old ass man. <laughs> Let's see. Is it, what, what kind of hat did Charlie Chaplin wear? Let's just continue with the Nick is ancient comedy uh, segue here. Let's. Look. I guess like a cowboy hat maybe? It is kind of a cowboy hat. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, so this, yeah, this or like uh, maybe a tall Panama hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this guy, Mister Mystery, the pickup art. So he'd wear like that kind of hat. He'd wear like a like whatever yeah, that kind of so hat is. Yeah. So it was a it was a competition. Um. So it would feature all these dudes who were just losers, essentially. Of course. And um. And then. Uh, mystery would teach them how to pick up women and there was challenges to picking up women and different things oh my god i have to watch i have to watch this how did i miss this because this is the kind of shit that yeah this This was a vh1 show too so i don't know of course it was how did we miss how did i miss it i you watched it i don't know because there you know you and i have that in common Esmeralda, like in that in mm-hmm. that time period, I watched all of it. I watched all the Doctor Drews. I watched the Surreal World, the Surreal Life, or whatever the hell it was called. Yeah. And, the, and uh, that the the 
uh, the one with Flavor Flav with girls taking a shit on his stairs. Uh, that I watched that. I, I watched all of that shit. Whores on Wheels with Brett Michaels. I watched that. How did I miss the pickup artist with mystery? How yeah. did I miss this? Wow. And I got to go back and see. I mean, that's got to be on Paramount Plus somewhere, right? Because all that shit's on Paramount Plus, right? Probably. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's that's this. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. yeah man. Uh, so the so and and it was on for like does it say how many seasons it was on? I think it was just two seasons. Oh God, it went two seasons yeah. and I didn't see this. How did I not? Yeah, watch this? I don't know. <laughs> now I'm really I'm on a, I'm going to be hunting down YouTube as soon as we're done recording. I am going to be looking for the pickup artist featuring Mystery and his hat. Yeah. So they would have yeah. different like he would like 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 okay here's a here you go, go so one of the challenges like you're in a bar. All right, uh, mystery says go go over and approach. Here's a here's a here, here's a list of pickup lines. Go and approach that attractive girl at the bar and use these and see if it works. And then yeah, he comes, I guess so. Jesus Christ, I can't. I just imagine. remember it being really pathetic. No, yeah. Oh man, can you imagine? Just <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't know what people need. I don't know why the people think. I mean, there is a whole and there still is, which is ridiculous. Of like really insecure not confident men yeah just like shitting the bed yeah on having to talk to a woman and they they go to these guys who are complete douchebags yeah but for some reason someone likes them yeah <laughs> yeah because usually I... they're like oh i've had all these women and it's like all right well i don't know how much you paid them or what but yeah okay <laughs> Yeah, because those guys, you see those guys typically on like infomercials and stuff. Like, yeah, man, I know. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Tom Cruise and Magnolia. It's like it's yeah. <laughs> that's what it's Frank T.J. Mackey. Like, Frank T.J. Mackey in real life. Complete. This guy is a complete. Just he's such a caricature. Like, I don't understand a woman who would be into that. But okay. So, but sure. his name is his name is Mystery. But right, you, I mean, but, his but real you, name is Eric, but... Oh, know. okay, all right, but he goes by Mystery. You know, yeah, because that's so sexy, right, Esmeralda? Like, if I came up well, to yeah, you... Yeah, you can't, you can't I, really go onto the show and be like, hey, everybody, I'm Eric. I'm going <laughs> to teach you how to pick up women. <laughs> I'm Eric Smith. Uh, <laughs> Did I wear a fuzzy cowboy hat? Like, it doesn't work. <laughs> All right, so there's a there's an old show to watch. VH1's pickup. So he reminds me that his look reminds me very much of Chris Angel. Okay. Oh my god. I think that's probably where it ends. Okay. I, I don't. I've never heard anything about Chris Angel trying to pick up women or. No. Although I'm sure you he know has. trying. I'm. Sh- oh, I'm sure he does completely, yeah. but like yeah. not in the sense of like. This is my shtick. I right, pick up women. Right, right, right. But I'm sure he's. A, I'm sure that Chris Angel's a massive douchebag when it comes to women. I have no doubt in my mind that he is like a massive douche. You know, just a Chris Angel mind freak. Get out of here, man. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, there's something to look up. If you ever go down that wormhole on YouTube some night at three o'clock in the morning and you've had a couple of cocktails, you might want to look up <laughs> the pickup artist on VH1 because I know I will. Minus the booze part. I will definitely. I don't need booze to watch that kind of shit anymore. I used to. <laughs> I used to get hammered and watch that kind of shit. And then, uh, you know, so anyway. All right. Well, there it is. Chris. How did Chris. Oh, because that's how we end up talking because it's Chris Angel. That's right. Yeah. That's oh. Yeah. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's oh. show. 
Carrie's, <laughs> Carrie's wearing a Mind Freak t-shirt. Hi, Ka oh, Carrie. What? Is that a vintage? Hi, I'm Is that Carrie vintage? Or she just I made it. I love Nick's show. <laughs> no, that's vintage. That's her own. That's her own. <laughs> On my porch, love she... Oh, wait. I know. Now she's holding up a t-shirt. On my porch, she tells sells t-shirts that say Chris Angel is a is a douchebag. That's the that's the difference. Uh, so she's okay. Okay. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. All right, Carrie. And I yeah, love I know you Nick's do. show. All right. So if you need your Chris Angel uh uh you know t-shirts, you can come. Right. <laughs> come, come get them here. <laughs> the premier Chris Angel. Yeah. yeah. Uh memorabilia merchandise. Right. When you think Nick DeGilio, you should think Chris Angel. That's what you Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you think. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Or well, when you think Nick DeGilio's back porch, that's you right. Think you think Chris Angel. Chris Angel, and then you get here and it's gone because it, Chris Angel made it disappear, <laughs> right? Because he's a mind freak. He's a mind freak. That was Freaked like a regular. That was like a regular show too, and I think he he did mm -hmm. like you know like, and that might have been on VH. That sounds like something that should have been on VH one, right? At that time period. Maybe. Um, it sounds like it's oh my god, it was six seasons. <laughs> Of what? Mind Freak? Of Mind Freak. Oh, it was on A&E. Yeah. A&E &E. &E and yeah. USA. Yeah, A&E. It was on A&E. I remember it being on A&E. But no, no, I know that was on for a while. That's how I didn't miss that one. I know that was on long enough for me to have watched it, whereas Mystery Man with his fucking hat, I, mean, I, I missed out on Yeah, that. that was two seasons, you know. It got lost in all the mix, you know, of Drew, Drew uh, of Dr. Drew shows that I used to watch all the time. I will say six seasons is a long time it to is be a doing long time. all these yeah. tricks and But that, that was at the stuff. I think that was like right around the time when everybody was into David like when Bla David Blaine slept with Madonna. I mean, how do you Well, I mean, yeah. How does that happen? How does Madonna date date Well, Madonna dated a lot of guys, a lot of idiots, but yeah. uh But yeah, but I mean, how does David Blaine score Madonna, you know? I mean, this fucking idiot, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna, no uh, idea. I'm gonna, uh, and then he's like, and everything is the same. I'm gonna. Oh no, but he did it. He did it. He he did uh, inspire this. Get the fuck out of my house. That's right. That was, that was David Blaine. Yeah. David Blaine. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He did. Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, that's when he put the card in that piece of fruit. Remember, he had he had Harrison yeah. Ford's Harrison Ford's. That's the two of diamonds. Now open up that cut open that peach, and the two of diamonds was in the was in the fruit. And Harrison Ford then said, "Get the fuck out of my house." That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, I used to watch that David Blaine thing, those specials. I used to watch those. Mm, and I guess I watched but not the, Chris the uh... no Chris. No, I watched. I watched Mind Freak. I used to watch that and just laugh. Oh, okay, at it. Like, but not mystery. Fuck? But not no, mystery. I missed. I missed out on on pickup artists. I totally missed out on that one. And I was watching fucking Mob Wives, Esmeralda. That's how deep I went. I watched Mob Wives. You remember Mob Wives? Yeah, 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 yeah man. There was Chicago Mob Wives, Chicago as well. Remember what was her name? Big G, or what was the the the? Uh, was, you remember no, what I'm talking about? There was a big yeah. Big I G or she big? Passed. Did she? I can't. I remember. I God, believe I, so. And I had a favorite. I had. I don't remember their names now, but I like. I like. I liked each mob wife, and I had a favorite mob wife. I. This is how fucking loser, mm -hmm. much of a loser I am. I watched. I watched. Yeah. <laughs> her name was Big Something. I can't remember what her name was, uh, but. She was like the one that kind of broke out. Oh, they Big actually, Ange. Big Ange, that's it. And and they did an yeah. imitation of her. They did imitations of her on SNL. Like Kate McKinnon did <laughs> did Big Ange on SNL. <laughs> I watched that shit, but I did not watch the pickup artist. I can't believe I missed it. And that, by the way, is, 
is the name of a very classic, terrible Robert Downey Jr. movie. Mm. Are you familiar with I'm the sure pickup artist? Loves to be compared to that. The no. pickup artist. This was a James Toback movie that actually started out really interesting, and then the studio got in and cut the shit out of it and cut it all up into a PG movie. It was rated R when it first, but it was him and Molly Ringwald, and they made it was in like an adult movie, and uh, you know because James Toback is a guy who's made like very very R-rated adult, uh, you know, movies, um, and uh, uh, this pickup artist when they when he first made it. It was Robert Downey Jr. and Molly uh, Ringwald, and the first cut was rated R, and the studio was like, no, we've got two teenage stars in this movie, because the movie came out in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got two teenage stars in this movie. You can't make this really sexy, vulgar, R-rated movie, even though the movie was an indictment of guys who go out and pick up chicks. That's what the movie was. It was, it was an indictment of that. Um, and then the edited version came out. It's like 88 minutes, and it's PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> and the result I mean the results there's some interesting stuff in it but it just was a failure because of the studio interfering because they didn't want Molly Ringwald and Robert Downey Jr. to be in an R-rated movie at that time right this may have been even pre uh, less than zero you know what I mean like it might they, they still mm-hmm. I think because less than zero was obviously rated R because it was you know drug addiction and all that stuff and it dealt with some heavy shit so I think maybe it was but it was around that period so when I think pickup artist, that's the that's what I think. I don't think mystery with dude with the hat. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. All right, now I gotta go find pickup artist. I, I hope it's I hope it's available. Okay. All right. Well, that whole Chris Angel conversation got us completely sidetracked as usual. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Chris Angel. Okay. Uh, so we do have a magic megaphone for people who uh, who don't know what the magic Ooh. megaphone is. I know you like the magic megaphone, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is where you, I got a megaphone that's right next to me and I will speak into it, anything that you want me to speak into, or I will record something, a piece of music or a song or a line from a movie or whatever. The magic megaphone is at your disposal. Lovely listener, lovely subscriber, anything you want set into it, a message, a joke, line from a movie, anything, I will say it or record it. And then you will, you will let me know what you want to hear or, uh, from the magic megaphone, your personal message. You can leave those messages on our voicemail at 773-417-6948 or let me know what you want me to say in an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And the nickdpodcast at gmail.com is where Sandy from, and I'm not making this up, she is from... Berwin. I am. I didn't make that up. Right. Berwin. That's right. <laughs> there are people from Berwin, and, you know, that, that it, it is true. It's just that, uh, you know... You get to hear this five, six times a show uh, on Sven every Berwin. time. Berwin! So, but anyway, she is from Berwin, and this is her Magic Megaphone message. You ready, Esmeralda? Mm-hmm. Okay, here it is. From the Magic Megaphone files, Sandy from Berwin says this. If I can put the... Oh, okay, here we go. Sorry, I'm an idiot. All right, here we go. Okay, I'm going to admit it. I've never seen Casablanca. Okay, I'm going to admit it. I've never seen Casablanca. There you go. Okay, I'm going. To so that's self-explanatory. I've never seen Casablanca. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. self-explanatory. Uh, that's Sandy uh, from Berwyn is admitting that she's never seen Casablanca, mm-hmm. um, which of course is fine. Have you seen Casablanca, Esmeralda? Yes, I saw it uh, some years ago. I was actually um, somebody had to sit me down and and show it to me because I too had not seen it. 
right um before so you're not alone <laughs> that's right and the reason i and the reason i love this uh this um this particular uh, uh megaphone um message magic megaphone message is because of that i i, I wanted to I, I want people to know because i get snobby about movies and sometimes somebody will say something mm-hmm. and i'll go you've never seen that and then I realized that's the kind of a dick move because some people don't watch every fucking movie ever made. And now I'm <laughs> and now I'm old. You know what I mean? Like and I'm an old mm-hmm. dude now. And so when someone says that they haven't seen like Casablanca, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But like I'm old and people uh, who are young now don't watch Casablanca. They watch movies from like the 70s now. Like because when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you would watch movies from the 40s and 50s. You know what I mean? Now kids watch movies from the 70s and 80s. Those are old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those are older movies. Like they'll go back and watch like a classic. Like they'll, like, oh man, I want to watch a classic. They'll watch the right stuff, you know, which is a legendary movie, but yeah. it's in the eighties. And the older stuff probably gets put on the back burner. And that makes sense. Sandy, I don't know how old Sandy is. I'm assuming she's younger. I mean, she doesn't even have to be younger to have not watched Casablanca, you know? So that got me thinking about classic movies that you've never seen. Like movies that everybody says that you have to see. Uh, movies mm-hmm. that you know, like oh, you just assume everybody has seen it. Like a lot of people assume everybody has seen Casablanca. You know, now when you watched it, did you enjoy it? Um, it felt very long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it was fine. That's another thing. Like when you mm. when you hi- <laughs> when you got to be you got to be careful because I do this all the time. I do it all the time with friends and people. You know, um, I will hype the fuck out of a movie. Oh, it's the best. You got to mm-hmm. watch it. Because oh, I, you know me, I mean, I'm Captain Hyperbole and I feel everything I feel is either the best thing or the worst thing of all time because I'm a moron. That's how I express myself. You know that. You've known me for <laughs> yeah. years. It's either the best movie ever made or the worst movie ever made, you know? So I hype up a movie. I like really hype it up. And then like when someone doesn't like it as much as I do, I tend to go, what's wrong with you? Because I'm a dick. So... <laughs> So now, were you in a room full of people? Like when it was over, did you go? Eh, it was a little long. Did they go? Fuck you! It's great. You know, was that, was that the kind of? No, <laughs> no, no. They were cool about it. Yeah, yeah. So that gets me thinking: Are there any other classic movies that you've never seen? Um, you know, like that's, that's uh, a whole. Yeah. yeah. What are some? Do you have any? What are some of the other ones that people are like? No, There's I've never a seen. Few, yeah. Okay. Um, two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Okay. Um. Uh, the um, I haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of um, that guy's movies. What's his name? The director, uh, Kubrick. Yeah, okay. I've seen um, The Shining, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know what else he's done. <laughs> well, he's done uh, Clockwork Orange. I I've seen that. Eyes Wide Shut was his last movie. Uh, I did not see that. Uh, well, that's a lot of people don't consider that. People don't consider that yeah. a classic. I do. <laughs> Barry Lyndon. Um, have you seen I haven't Barry seen. No, I haven't okay. seen Full Metal Jacket. Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen Spartacus. Okay. Wow, you haven't seen a lot of his movies. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. What about stuff like, let's see, like classics that some people have missed? Like you've seen Citizen Kane. Yes, and I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> All I right. didn't watch that for, for a, a film class in college. <laughs> I fell asleep. And you fell asleep. All right. What about um, what about um, the Godfather? But I remember movies? the gist. Um, yeah, I actually just finished watching them all. I had never seen the third one. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you and the I had one... seen I had seen the first one and the second one in like varying way. Like I had I've seen the first one so many times. Yeah, well, actually, both. I've seen the first and the second one so many times, but in like different chunks. That gotcha. I honestly, I just had did, in my mind. Did they you both come, had been did melded you come together to my, when I held that uh, screening of The Godfather? Did you? Come, I know you came to Scarface when I did Scarface. No, when I, I Scarface. didn't. You didn't come to The Godfather because I did. There were a few no. nights that I did class. Then I did uh, Epic Night uh, for my film mm-hmm. club, and we would do that on a Saturday because I can't. Sh- I couldn't show a three-hour movie on a fucking Tuesday. Because people got to work. Right. Yeah. So, like, because I want to show Magnolia. I wanted to show Mag- my favorite movie of all time is three hours and eight minutes long. And I would love to show that movie, but you can't do it on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Because right. people got to get yeah. up. Not everybody you worked. Started you started know, like, at like 5 p.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I showed, and you were there for for uh, for Scarface. We had a great turnout for that. Mm-hmm. That's a three hour movie. Yeah. We, remember they made empanadas? They had empanadas on the menu that night. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool, and I think they made they make mojitos, if I'm not mistaken, or something. Uh, I don't remember. Um, but anyway, uh, but but oh, okay, I didn't know whether you would come to, to to see The Godfather or not. But I showed The Godfather one night. We had a huge. I mean, that by the way, if you want a lot of people to show up to a to a, a screening that you're hosting, show The Godfather. Mm. They'll show up. No. Oh, <laughs> by the way, oh, really well. quickly. Hey, I don't know if you're busy tomorrow night, Esmeralda, but I'm hosting a, my first movie screening in years tomorrow. Nice. February twenty eighth, tomorrow night. Tickets, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm assuming they're still, still available when we tape this. <laughs> yeah. Because we're recording it about a little, a little less than a week beforehand. I'm sorry to break the, you know, the the illusion here. Um, but if if people want to come tonight <clears throat> or tomorrow night, I'm mm-hmm. screening. I'm I'm hosting a screening thanks to the uh, the Critics Classics series, um, at the Classic Cinema in Elk Grove Village really lovely uh, uh, theater that has like, you know, a bunch of theaters and they show first run movies. And every month, uh, the Critics Classics uh, series, which is actually uh, put together partially by our friend Eric Childress, mm-hmm. um, they are screening movies. And um, they, they're now doing it twice a month. And one of the screenings that they do on Wednesday nights uh, each month uh, is a tribute to, the last Wednesday of each month is a tribute to 1984. So they're doing... Uh, movies that are 40 years old. Oh, so, wow. I am hosting John Carpenter's Starman um, with uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, and Karen Allen, which is a great movie. Have you ever seen Starman? I have not. Oh, it's great. You should come out. Oak Grove Village. It's, uh, it's, uh, uh, you can get there via um, public transportation because otherwise, how the fuck would I get there? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so now I'm hosting it. And it's the first uh, movie screening that I've hosted in years. And Eric helps put this nice. thing together. And when they programmed Starman, Eric was like, hey, uh, you want to do that? You want to host it? Because I know you like the John Carpenter. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. So tomorrow night at uh, Classic Cinemas in Elk Grove Village, and you can look that up online, Classic Cinemas Elk Grove Village. 7 p.m. screening of John Carpenter's Starman. I will introduce it. We'll watch the movie together. And then afterwards, there'll be a little moderate, you know, a talk and a Q&A and all kinds of fun stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. But, Very cool. Uh, yeah. So it'll be just like back when I used to do it over in Rosemont. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, some of these other ones that, that people have not seen, classic movies that people have not seen. Someone admitted that they had never seen Jaws. I know you've seen Jaws. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, I've seen Jaws. Uh-huh. And are there other, let's see, what, what are some of the other ones that come out? Like Gone with the Wind? you seen Gone with the Wind? I have not. Yeah, I wouldn't rush off. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
That's what uh, I honestly, that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very, very long. Uh, and uh, yeah. Um, and it, it also doesn't, it also didn't age well. Uh, <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, someone said. I have not seen Shawshank Redemption. Have you seen that? Um, I've seen it. I keep seeing it in chunks, but yeah, I have seen it. That's like, one I've of those seen ones. it, but not in its in complete entirety, but I've yeah. seen it all. That's one of those <laughs> ones that was on TBS every fucking night. Remember when there was a period yeah. of time when Shawshank Redemption was on cable every night? Yeah. But, like, I, I was always surprised because I remember that it had, uh, it bombed hugely at the box office. But, of course, now, you know, upon video and rediscovery and stuff like that, and, of course, it being the sexiest movie ever made because it was available at uh, Sybaris when my ex-wife and I, uh, checked mm. in. Remember, I told you that story when we checked into the service. Yeah. Uh, we didn't do it voluntarily. We won, you know, a, <laughs> a night at Sybaris. And so we're like, okay, we'll go. Mm. But anyway, when you're checking in, they have sexy softcore porno movies that you can watch. They were VHS at the time. And one was Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> and one was fucking Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, everybody's, everybody's got a thing. So when I think when I think sexy movie. I think Shawshank. But uh, but yeah, when that came out, it tanked, despite the fact that it was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards and it got generally really good reviews. It wasn't until years later. And people love that movie. I remember talking about it on the air at GN one time and a guy called mm -hmm. in, and guys especially, guys love that movie. You know what I mean? Like it's especially a guy thing. Dudes love their Shawshank. <laughs> that's not a... <laughs> that's, not a <laughs> that's not a phrase that, uh, that means anything but that. Um, but anyway... Uh, yeah, yeah, dudes love their Shawshank, man. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I remember a guy called up one time and he said, "Let me tell you something right now. If there was ever a fire in my house, um, the first thing I would save would be my copy. Forget my wife. Forget my dogs. The first thing I would save would be my my copy of Shawshank Redemption." I was like, "Wow, you're a dick. Why?" I mean, it's a copy. I know. You can get a goddamn copy, another copy. You can't you get can, a... Yeah, you can get another one. It's yeah. not like it's the first printing. Yeah. That would be, I'd be like, okay, well, that's. Yeah. <laughs> it's not see. like it's the first printing and it's autographed by Stephen King and Frank Darabont. You know what I mean? This is like, it's just yeah. a fucking, it's just a fucking VHS copy of a goddamn movie that you can buy at Best Buy. It's like, I'll get you another yeah. one. You Don't can't worry. buy, you can't, you can't replace your dog and wife. You know, maybe I this guy just didn't like it. multiple copies. <laughs> Or just fucking turn on TBS at some point. Yeah, we could tape it. We can. Yeah, yeah it's you can get it. Wow. No, I'm looking at I'm looking at a Reddit now. I don't know. I just did this now. I'm looking at like a Reddit mm -hmm. thread. You know, topic being classic movies you've never seen. Here's yeah. someone who said that they've never seen Back to the Future. Now, look, I would like to be. I would like to go. Oh, that's okay. But no, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not okay to have not seen Back to the Future. I don't under I don't understand that. I feel the same way about Roger well, Rabbit. So here's the thing as well now. Yeah. And then this is I I also think this is the reason why I haven't seen a lot of movies is because honestly a lot of them don't exist in copies that you can easily see. Right. Um, there's a lot of movies that are not on streaming. That's true. Um, it's true. People don't own DVD players really anymore or a way right. to play it. Like, I mean, even my laptop does not have a CD-ROM. Right. It doesn't. <laughs> not nowhere anymore. to put yeah. anything. It's true. Yeah. It's true. No, that's true. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and you know, um, now I'm dating someone and like inevitably I'll go, have you seen this movie? And she's like, no, I'm not a dork. I haven't seen everything. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> and then we'll try to find movies. Like we watched one of my favorite movies of all time. Literally one of my favorite movies of all time is a movie called Shoot the Moon from 1982. And it's with Albert Finney and Diane Keaton and Dana Hill, Karen Allen from Starman, which by the way, you should get your tickets for tomorrow night. <laughs> and Peter Weller, RoboCop himself, is in this movie. Mm. And it's a devastating, beautiful, heartbreaking, lovely movie about divorce. And we watched it on Valentine's Day weekend. And it's impossible to find. You had, we had to pay. It was like one of those things that you had to rent. You, find, you can find them, but then it's like the rental fee is like this. Or you can buy it for 15 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we had to pay to, to, to rent it for the night. Um, but it, yeah. you can't, it's not available if you don't want to pay like four bucks just to fucking watch it once, which is absurd. Uh, you won't be able to see these movies. And that's yeah. not even a classic. That's not even a classic. That was a movie that like, you know, no one loves that movie more than, <laughs> no more than yeah. I do. And I mean, even before streaming, there was a lot of movies that you just like, where are you going to go get yeah. them? Yeah. Aside from, are you, if, even if you try to go to the Blockbuster, Blockbuster doesn't have everything. It's true. <laughs> it no, didn't it's true. have everything. So if it didn't have it, you would have to go buy it. And it's mm-hmm. like, I've never seen this movie. I'm going to go buy it at the store. Like, yeah. Ugh. How about some of these? Okay, these are here are some classics that's, that people have never seen. Uh, someone said Citizen Kane, which we mentioned already. Psycho. You've seen Psycho, obviously. Yes. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. No. Okay. Uh, well, here's the thing. Here's my suggestion about seeing Lawrence of Arabia, because you should. It's, it's a great film. It is. But try not to watch it like on your laptop or a TV. <laughs> try, try to see that. If it, if, it, if it comes back to the music box, like in 70, that's how to yeah. see it, because that's a movie that is meant to be seen on the big screen. It's still terrific, mm-hmm. but it's really meant to be seen on the big screen. Uh, psycho stuff, like we, our, our Hitchcock stuff. Uh, what, what Hitchcock things? Have you, have you seen Rear Window? Um, yes. All right. Vertigo? I forget where I watched it. I had to watch it for some class. Yeah, of course. We watched it. I, maybe it's but like I don't not, remember when. Maybe it's not good <laughs> that these movies are associated with homework. You know what I mean? That's that maybe that. Well, it was a film class, so we yeah. had. I mean, we were watching movies, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other Hitchcock's Vertigo. Have you seen Vertigo? Uh, no. Uh, that's you got to see that. It's, now I'm sounding like a dick. Oh, you got to see that, but it is great. It's his best movie, I think. Uh, the Birds. And then when I when people say that, I go, okay. Yeah, I know. And then immediately it's like, fuck <laughs> off. I'm not going to see it. I know. I know. And I and I realize that as soon as it came out of my mouth, uh-huh. I'm like, Esmeralda's like, yeah, fuck off. I don't need to see it. I'm going to watch. You know what I'm sure. going to watch? I'm going to watch Pickup Artist with Mystery tonight. So fuck off. Uh, <laughs> Maltese Falcon. No. Great movie. Uh, the Matrix. Somebody said never seen The Matrix. Now, I know you've seen that because that's fucking. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've only seen the first one and I think I saw the second one. Okay. I love them all. I I'm, in, I'm in the minority. I've seen them all, and I and I, I literally have to defend myself almost constantly because of that. Because yeah. people people Matrix, don't like the sex. Yeah, yeah. The first Matrix has an amazing soundtrack, though. It is absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, the Exorcist is another one that somebody has not seen. Yeah, I actually saw that in the theater when they re-released it, and they put in the the, the scarier stuff. Yeah, where they added the the the. Uh, uh, the Captain Howdy face to everything. Like the, the face was yeah. like, yeah. Um, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, someone writes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, Wizard of Oz. I wish I'd never seen it. Yes. <laughs> I, I fucking hate that movie. I hate that movie. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, someone said. Yes. Um, yeah, I saw that in health class. <laughs> 
wait, 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 wait. Because I think wait. it was we were talking wait. about mental health or something like that. So then oh, we had to watch God. it. We watched it in high school in health class. <laughs> oh, I love that in Joliet. Uh, yeah, they showed and you one of the. One of the reasons why I was a bit ostracized in that class because people thought I was a big old nerd because I knew who was in it. I was like, yeah, Jack Nicholson. And then like he even like I remember the teacher asking, like, do you does anyone recognize what the this the music that's playing over the thing? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a saw. They're yeah. using a saw. And yeah, like people thought I was just like a total nerd that never wow. went anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, that is correct. Wow. <laughs> I don't go anywhere. Wow. That's pretty. <laughs> that, but I'm, I'm, I'm stunned that you watched One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest in your health class. That's amazing. Yeah. What a, what a great story. Now, you had already seen it or had you? No, that was your first time. But you knew. Why that did you know? That was my first time. I why just did you, knew because okay. it's, I mean, I'd, I'd heard it in other things and I knew what that sound okay. was. And and how did that you know? I mean, familiar. if you didn't see the movie, but you knew who Jack Nicholson was at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, okay. I knew of the movie. Just because yeah, you haven't seen it doesn't mean you don't. Right? Know no, about I know. It. Well, I mean, I was I had to read the book before I saw. It. Well, no, no, I'd seen the movie beforehand, but I had to read the book in high school, like the, the Ken Kesey book, which is completely different than the movie. A lot different than the movie. But yeah. but you had, you had had that book ever been? Did that was that book assigned to you ever? No, because that's one it of those books you know, along with like Catcher in the Rye and Animal Farm and all those that kind of falls into that. A lot of schools in the in the country have people read Cuckoo's Nest. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and I had seen the movie, so I didn't actually read the book. <laughs> I didn't read the book because I had seen the movie. And my, and they were my, like, "This is not the yeah, book at all." Right? No, no, no. <laughs> well, by the way, that scene's in the movie, not the book. Cheater ass. You know what I mean? So that <laughs> good job watching the movie. <laughs> right. But then eventually, I did read the book, and the book is great. The book is fantastic. Ken Kesey. Yeah. Fantastic book. But all right, uh, a couple of quick ones here. Uh, Top Gun. Is that a classic? I yes. guess that's a classic, yeah. I, I just saw Top Gun, like within yeah. the past couple of years. It's so fucking And it stupid. was, it's awful. It is. It's terrible. I, it's Tom Cruise terrible. is really great at playing a dick bag. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody <laughs> loved the last one from two years ago, that Maverick, which was a piece of shit. It was essentially yeah. the same fucking movie. It's the same goddamn movie. It's terrible. Those movies are terrible. I, just, I hated that dynamic with him and the teacher. Like, it's it was such, awful. It's so awful. And then what they did to Kelly McGillis in the sequel where they were like, ah, you're not, you're, you've gained some weight. You're actually, you know what? You're actually, you actually look like a 60-year-old woman would look, so we can't have that. Let's get Jennifer yeah. Connelly. Let's get Jennifer Connelly. Well, that like, makes fuck. that makes complete sense about that movie. Exactly like how like women are treated. Exactly. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. It sounds infuri- about right. It's, it's fucking infuriating. <laughs> and look, I'm glad that people started going back to the movie theaters because of that. When Maverick came out, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, you know Spielberg is like, oh, I'm crediting Tom Cruise for saving the movie theaters, and he did. He had a lot to do with it. It was brilliant that he held that movie. He held on to that movie. They didn't release it until more people were going back, and then a ton of people went to the theater to see that. So in that respect, cool. But the movie is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a piece then he of puts shit. His, he puts his fellow fellow pilots in danger for. I know. Oh, no, he's I a dick. It. Yeah, he's a dick. I hated it. And they had and and like he was supposed to learn a lesson at the end of that movie. So in Maverick, he learned nothing. In in, in Maverick. He's not the dick. He's like the older guy who's kind of a dick. So they got that yeah. dude. They got that dude from the fucking movie with uh, Sidney Sweeney, where they where they pretend to fuck and they don't. Uh, the one that just came out. Uh, uh, the uh, anybody anyone but you, Glenn uh, yeah. Glenn Glenn Howerton, that guy. 
So yeah, uh, he's like the main. He's like the like the main dick in the movie. Like he turned. He's Maverick, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the same movie except oh. they. Oh, also how you've they 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 show Iceman like yeah. if you haven't seen the oh, movie and how man. you see yeah. him in pop culture, you yeah. think he's a bad guy. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> he just he's... wants to do things that are a- exactly safe. right. Iceman is that's exactly right. <laughs> oh my god! Like, he's like, like he's like I just thought. He's a danger. He's like, he's like, yeah. Yeah. Iceman has a point, motherfucker. You're dangerous. You're irresponsible. You're an idiot. Iceman is, Iceman's the hero. I I side with Iceman. (laughs) (laughs) Now there, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Hold on. I just, that just hit me. Hold on. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Uh, I love Nick Azarella, she's holding up a t-shirt that says, I side with Iceman. I believe we have a hit t-shirt. I believe that. <laughs> Oof. Oh man. Well, I'm glad we agree on that one. I I'm glad because yeah, I no, caught I... I've caught hell. When that movie came out, I got a, I gave it a bad review when people were and, and when it came out, you know, you were you were just a you were a toddler when that movie came out. And yeah. that was at the height of the, you know, the the Reagan era Cold War. So it was like, Yeah, man, America, yeah. You know, it was a very jingoistic, oh, yeah. xenophobic movie. And I fucking hated it for that. It was like a, you know, it was like a recruitment movie for the Navy. And I watched the movie and I said that on the air. I'm like, this movie's bullshit. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. and then I caught hell. Like, you're not an American. You know, like I heard, you know, from those kind of people, you know, like. You I mean, to- half the time, anything army, I kind of I'm I'm not into because I'm like, I'm not cool yeah. watching propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on the movie. Like, 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 for instance, Full Metal Jacket is not that. <laughs> That's a fucking dark movie. Well, that's, that's Vietnam. So yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. All right, and then uh, well, one more here. Titanic. Someone has never seen Titanic. I've never watched it in its entirety. Okay. All right. Now, now, now here's the thing, to. though. But you know what? <laughs> What's really amazing is, now, Esmeralda, you were 14 when that came out. So it was right. Yeah. And Leo was your man, right? At that yeah, point? but I was into Leo before Titanic, and the fact that then this came out and uh, everyone and their mom was out, I was like, no, I gotcha. <laughs> I got no, no, no. I know what you're doing. I see it. Ex- I know exactly what you're doing, and I've done it too. Like suddenly everybody jumps on board. You're like, fuck this. I was cool before. You know what I mean? I was Leo. I was just be- like, I don't like this anymore. I gotcha. <laughs> oh, I know. I gotcha. Okay, that makes total sense. By tight, you were over Leo by the time Titanic came out, and everybody was into him. I got you. And I wasn't over it, but I was just like, I just didn't. Ugh. Yeah. And then the movie didn't really. Yeah. Yeah, because it it's not. Didn't, I, you know. I, I, like, I like Titanic from the moment the iceberg hits the boat. Everything before it is horseshit. But from the moment that the yeah. iceberg hits the boat and the boat starts to sink, it's fucking great. It's like really, really great. Um, but uh, the next time, you know what the big drink game is for Titanic, right, Esmeralda? No. What? Drink every time they say each other's name. You will be hammered because it's Jack and Rose. They say Jack and Rose. Right. 70 foot. Like she says Jack 900 times. He says Rose. Nine, you will get, an, and that movie's three and a half hours long or whatever it is. You will be mm-hmm. in a hospital with your stomach pumped if you, <laughs> if you take a drink every time they say Jack or Rose. So anyway. All right. So classic movies that not everybody has seen. All right. Well, we didn't get to the people that everybody hates, so we'll do that next <laughs> do that next time. Yeah. We did have a very good discussion about Chris Angel. <laughs> mm-hmm. And mystery. <laughs> and mystery. <laughs> I can't wait to find that. All right. AKA Eric. <laughs> that's right. Eric the stud. That's what it, that's what it is. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we've got some, uh, some, some, some snacks that we're tasting thanks to the great people at Universal Yums. Check out universalyums.com. Get on the program where you can get a box sent to your house monthly from a different part of the world, and you can eat all kinds of cool snacks and has an activity book that's really aimed at kids. It's fun. There's a map. It's awesome. I love it. And we've been eating some snacks from France, and right now we're going to do some popcorn truffles, right, Esmeralda? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It is a decadent French chocolate with bits of ta- toasty popcorn. According to legend, this yum came about by accident in 1920 Paris. Confectioner Augusto Essofier uh, was making a pastry cream when he accidentally poured hot cream into the wrong bowl, a bowl filled with chocolate. Rather than bidding the melty chocolate adieu, he experimented. He rolled the paste, ganache, into balls and coated them in cocoa powder. And the result, a luxurious chocolate ball that looks a whole lot like uh, France's mushroom truffles, hence the name. Oh. And we can't think of a more decadent accident. So it's popcorn truffles. And it's truffle truffets and co popcorn, so I guess it's like a truffle wrapped in popcorn, correct? And clearly, mm-hmm. you're you're eating mm-hmm. it. <laughs> it's got like pieces of popcorn. It's like little pieces of popcorn wrapped. I had to. It's like uh, my fingers are just covered in chocolate because oh, this I see, has been sitting melt. out. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, I've been sitting in room temperature. <laughs> right. Oh my god, mine is completely melted. It's completely yeah. melted. Okay, well, all right. So my try. hands are covered in chocolate. Okay, let me It's see not the worst I... problem, but still. Yeah, all right. Well, let me try to get it's, in there. Um, it's good. Hmm. I thought it was going to be more popcorn. Hmm. But you get the popcorn. You, you get do. popcorn, but I thought it was going to be like a piece of popcorn. Right. Covered well, in chocolate. Oh, but it's good chocolate, though. Man. Mm-hmm. It's really good chocolate. Man, it's really good. Man, I'm going to throw these in the fridge, the other ones, because get, we get four of them in a package. Yeah, they're <laughs> I'm throwing these in the fridge. melted, yeah. Yeah, no, this one is complete. This is just, I had to lick it from the, from the plastic. <laughs> from the, <laughs> so, all right. Uh, but it's great. Delicious. So the popcorn it's truffles, lovely. man, yeah. really high on the list. This might be my favorite thing we've tried so far. Well, I think we have another truffle situation. Okay, coming uh, up coming up but it's okay. different it's the same it's the same brand but a different flavor okay cool maybe so, i should put uh, maybe maybe we'll we should put those in the fridge, the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> before we try that next time all right but delicious man they've got good chocolate in france i'll tell you that so yeah. the popcorn truffles and the brand if you want to look it up is truffies and company um and as long as they don't melt all over the table you're good so there you go Man, delicious. That is delicious. Okay, cool. So we'll have. why, why don't we do the truffle next time? We'll do the, the chocolate chip uh, cookie truffle next time. Okay. All right, we'll do that next time. All right. Um, and next time, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi are going to join me, and we are going to review Dune Part 2. I won't ruin it for you, but it's the mm. best fucking movie of the year. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> and we are also going to make our predictions for uh, Oscars. The Oscars will be handed out next week. Mm, yes. A little bit later than next week uh, on March 10th. So we will make our predictions uh, for the best uh, and uh, the best and what we think in the categories and who's going to win and all that cool stuff. And we'll talk to you next time. I mean, well. is this is this Dune the same storyline as the 80s Dune? It is the second half of David. Have you seen David Lynch's version? I haven't, but okay. we were um, thinking about it. Yeah, it's fun. It'll be it'll it, it's not. Um, I mean, it might distract you from from the new Dune because it's so weirdly different, especially the second half. Mm hmm. 
But mm-hmm. the incidents that happen in David Lynch's version of Dune do indeed happen in the book, but in okay. sor- so it's all in, the same sort of in a story. It is kinda, but it's weird. I'm like Lynch's version of it is very fucking weird and a little inaccurate, right? And very uh, Cliff's notes. <laughs> mm, okay. Whereas Denis' version, this part two, really dives into the political, the religious, all the stuff that that Frank Herbert was trying to do with uh, the book. They do in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's fantastic. Okay. It's fantastic. So we'll talk about that in uh, in detail the next time with Eric and Steve. My thanks to Dan Feinberg. Always a pleasure to talk to Dan about TV and so much more. My thanks to you, Esmeralda, because you rule the planet and you know that. Oh, um, thank you. Hey, be a sponsor. Advertise with us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast by a voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who does all the music and the themes and the sounds and the weirdness. Please take the time to share, rate, review us on every platform. We're available at RadioMisfits.com. Uh, and radiomisfits.live for a 24-hour streaming service. Radiomisfits.com. Just go there, check out all the podcasts. It's the best. Thanks to Ed as well. And uh, and thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is right on